You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jesus says, follow me. Yes, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. He says, I want to take you to that peak over there, which is higher than high. Yes, Lord, we'll go. Come on. He starts to walk down. Wait a minute. We're going down. That's right. We're going down to get there because the way up is down. Because the way up is down. And we're going to go down to the valley where we're going to produce much fruit. And then we're going to take up even higher than you were before. But I don't want to go down there. It's bad down there. Well, that's where we're going. Follow me. As believers and followers of Christ, many of us would be quick to agree that nothing compares to those mountaintop experiences in our walk. However, as Pastor Dave will remind you in his message today, it's by the valley experiences of hardship and struggle that we truly grow as disciples. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23, as he continues his message, David's Memories and Mighty Men. In us, the Holy Spirit continues to work in us. And that's what God was doing with David. He was molding him. We experience sunshine. Woohoo! And there are days of rain. Woohoo. There are days of rain in our lives that we experience. But according to Romans 8:28, we know that God works all things together for good. Sunshine and rain. For those who love him are the called according to his purpose. We know that. So God uses rain and sunshine in our lives. And as we endure the wicked storms of the life, in the eye of the storm, we sang it. He remains in control. In the eye of the storm, God is always in control. God is always in control. The Lord shines his love into our hearts, and then he blesses us abundantly. And as the the storm wreaks havoc on our lives, we continue to trust and hope in him. And then when the storm finally passes, which it will... The storm will pass. The sun comes out and shines again. And we are gleaning. And and then the harvest comes. And and we blossom and this fruit comes. If you are faithful during the storm. We as leaders must create an atmosphere of growth in the midst of sunshine as well in the midst of storms. Some of the hardest things we have to do is to minister to people who go through a loss. It's difficult. But even in the midst of that horrible, horrible storm, sun can shine, and God can be glorified, and God can show himself strong, even in the midst of those terrible times. We say it. That's what ministry is all about, bright days and cloudy days. But God is the same, whether the clouds are shining or whether the sun is shining. Notice I said clouds shining. The true leader of God's people leads and helps others to bear fruit. Where does fruit grow? Fruit grows in the valley. Fruits grow in the valley, folks. You go up on the top of a mountain, there's not any fruit up there. There's no fruit up on top of a mountain. Fruit grows in the valleys. And we all love those mountaintop experiences. We all want to be Peter. Lord, it's good for us to be here. Yeah, let's make some tents. Come on, we'll build three. One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. We'll hang out. We'll have a ball. Come on. This is great. It's good for us to be here. Man, those mountaintop experiences are great, aren't they? 
man, you just come back going, ah, you're all blown away, you're glowing, you're walking around, you know. But all of a sudden, you got to come down the mountain. And Jesus says, follow me. Yes, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. He says, I want to take you to that peak over there, which is higher than high. Yes, Lord, we'll go. Come on. He starts to walk down. Wait a minute. We're going down. That's right. We're going down to get there because the way up is down. Because the way up is down. And we're going to go down to the valley where we're going to produce much fruit. And then we're going to take you up even higher than you were before. But I don't want to go down there. It's bad down there. Well, that's where we're going. Follow me. What happened after the transfiguration? They get down to the valley, and there's this guy running around who's demon-possessed, and the disciples can't toss him out. The disciples can't do anything. Yeah, when you're on the mountaintop and you come down, buckle up, bucko, because that's where it happens. But God is there, too. God's on the mountaintop, and God's in the valley. He's right there in the valley with us. He's right there all along. He won't leave. The Lord's there in the tough times, in the rough times, in the beautiful times, in the glad times. His presence is we seek in the midst of darkness. And then we recall those mountain experiences and we go, yes, thank you, Lord. David quickly started moves beyond the principles of leadership and he starts concentrating on the coming Messiah. And David mentions the covenant that God had made with him in 2 Samuel 7. A covenant guaranteed him a dynasty forever. That someone, one of his seed, would sit on the throne forever. David knew he was talking about the Messiah. And this was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. You can read about it in Luke 1, 32-33. David recalls God's promises. He knows that nothing can change to promise and secure it. And he is securing it. Why? Can nothing change God's promises? Yes, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's pretty good. But why can nothing change God's promises? Because it's up to God to fulfill it, not you. And God is always faithful. God will always fulfill the promise. So it's not up for me to fulfill the promise. God's given me a promise. He will fulfill it. God has given us a promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. He will fulfill it. He will do that, which he said he'd do. We need to rejoice in the great and precious promises of God. We need to be secure in them because it's not up to us to fulfill them. David reflected on how a wise ruler is blessed when he rules with justice. Though David's reign was less than perfect, yes, we know that. His reign was less than perfect. His reign is most identified with the reign of the Messiah. Think about that. When you look at David, David's reign from one side, it was a disaster. A complete disaster. Scandals that ruled his world, suffered repeated family crises, all kinds of insurrection from his sons, and civil wars and famine. David's reign looked like a disaster. Yet, has anybody read in the Bible where David is put down for his reign? Has anybody read anything in the Bible that denounces David, that kind of comes against him? No, you won't. You won't. Because David's passion in life simply wanting to be with God. That's what David's life was all about. That's how come he's a man after God's own heart, because he wanted to be with God. David knew that obedience still mattered. And, and God would still oppose the sons of rebellion when they would end to ruin. And, and David knew that he could trust the Lord to take care of his enemies and wicked men. And one commentator wrote this, quote, This remarkable relationship with God is the reason why David was great, Israel's greatest king and the most prominent ancestor of Jesus Christ. In fact, still quoting, the New Testament begins with these words, Matthew 1.1, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. David had all kinds of problems, but God never mentions them 
throughout the Bible. Solomon didn't have any problems, but he's mentioned in derogatory times a couple times through the Bible. Solomon, his son. So David pens this beautiful, beautiful psalm. He's, these are the last times he's hearing from the Lord, and he's writing down there, yes, Lord, and we can glean from the, what we need to do. And then he starts talking about his mighty men. And there's not much to say here as we go through this. We might stop a little bit, but I'm going to read through these things. So bear with me as we go through these names of these mighty men, gang. This is going to be fun. I've gone through them five or six times, and so let's see what we can do. But we're going to read every one of them because you deserve to have line by line, verse upon verse, precept upon precept at Calvary Chapel, gang. Here we go. In verse 8, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joseph. I messed up the first one already. Basipeth, the Tacomite, chief of the captains, and was called Adino, the Esnite, because he had killed 800 men at one time. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defiled the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Haraite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory." I love these guys. <laughs> I really do. I think these guys are great, man. Then three of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of the Dulam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, by which is the gate. So three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, took it, and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink of it, but poured it out to the Lord. A drink offering poured it out to the Lord. A drink offering enhances the offering. When they had an offering, they would offer it to God. And if they wanted to enhance the offering, they would pour wine or something on it to enhance it. It would be a, a drink offering. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, last Monday night you guys studied Paul being poured out like a drink offering. Poured out like a, a special offering to God. A special time of God. David wouldn't take, these guys risked their life for this water. And David refused to take it. And he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. Oh, my. A beautiful, beautiful situation. Gorgeous study here. 18. Now, Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief of another three. He lifted his spear against 300 men, killed them, and won a name among these three. Was he not the most honored of the three? Therefore, he became their captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. Beniah was the son of Jedidiah, the son of the valiant man from Kazil, who had done many deeds, who had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular 
muscular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so he went down to him with a staff, wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. These things Beniah and the son, the son of Jedodiah did, and won the name among the three mighty men. He was more honored than the thirty, but he did not attain the first three, and David appointed him over his guard. Wow, these guys did some bad stuff. These guys are tough. These guys are brutal. They really are. And the rest of these are just names. So here we go. Ashiel, the brother of Joab, was one of the thirty. Elhanan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem. Shammah, the Haredite. Elika, the Haredite. Haliz, of Palite. Ira, the son of Ikish, the Tekanite. Ebiezer, the Adathoite. And Medbunai, the Hushabite, these guys are crazy. Salmon, the Adohite, Mariachi, the Neophyte, and Heleb, the son of Benah, the Netoph. Wow, I read over these five times, guys. Atai, the son of Riblel, from Gibba, the son of ben- the children of Benjamin. Beniah, the Pyrethonite, Hidai, from the brooks of Gash. Abi Alban, the Arabathite. Amasameth, from the Barhumite. Elaaba, the Shalbonite, the sons of Jasmin, Jonathan, there's a good name. Shammah, the Haredite. Ahim, the son of Shabar, the Haredite. Eliphalet, the son of Abishai, the son of that guy again. Elohim, the son of Ahithophel, the Gibbonite. Wow. I love these names, man. Here is I, the Carmelite. Perai, the Arbite. Igal, the son of Nathan and Zobah, Bana, the Gadite, Zalik, the Ammonite, Neharabah, the ben Orthite, armor-bearer of Joab, the son of Zariah, Ira, the Ithrite, Garib, the Ithrite, and Uriah, the Hittite. 37 in all. Don't expect me to repeat any of those bad boys, because I got them all wrong. So these are mighty men that followed David. These are mighty men that chose to follow David. They saw something on them. He surrounded himself with these mighty men. He surrounded himself with these mighty men. They weren't mighty when they first started with him. Remember what they were? A lot of them were the dregs of the earth. Remember the, the definition long ago in 1 Samuel when they came out? They were destitute. They were hungry. They were dirty. They were un- Remember all that? Well, these guys became his mighty men. And look what they did for him. They, they did marvelous things for David. They did wonderful because they saw in David the Spirit of God. They saw the Spirit of God in David, and they would follow him, and they would lead him. Those three guys that went to get that drink offering from Bethlehem, man, they probably had to kill their way through to get that drink offering. And they bought it back, and David emptied it out. I bet they loved it. I bet they praised the Lord when David poured that out. That's how much in love they... See, I've said all along that Christianity is contagious. If you see someone who really loves the Lord and, and who's really following hard after the Lord and, and really standing up for righteousness and really standing up in the midst of trials and stuff, you want that. You want to be involved in that. It becomes very contagious. And I think these guys saw something so special in David. So special. They saw God's anointing. And they saw the Holy Spirit upon him, you know, and they wanted part of it. And they wanted, and look what God did to them. One kills 800, 300 lions and tigers and bears, oh my. They're constantly killing so many people. It's incredible. I sat here and I studied all these names. And I did read through them five times. Butchered them every single time. 
<laughs> Butchered those bad boys every single time I read them. But I read through them five time. You know what? I'm surrounded by mighty men. I'm surrounded by mighty men. I am. Men that the Lord has chosen to help in the leadership of this church. Men called by God, equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit, willing and available to Him and to be used mightily to lead, teach, guide, protect, and serve His sheep. Who are they? I'm glad you asked. Mark, the Philly Italian hairdresser. Bill, the Italian police detective from NYPD. Sir Kevin of the McLears, the kitchen police of Roxborough McLears. Carl with a K, the tallest kid on the block, strong, silent, and secure. Kevin the Kerr, the Irish computer whiz. We have Kevin of the North Jersey Fergusons. We have little Donnie Springer, also known as My Little Pony. We have Frank Zilnick, little Frankie Z. We have Josh Zilnick, the young gun. We have Kenny Brusak, the messianic believer of the children of Israel. We have the pillars of the front door, Bud the Frank and Gordon the Hanson. We have John the Man Maniac. We have Todd the Bug-Killing Chef. We have Sweet Lou and Andy, the parking lot mafia. And we have many others scattered throughout this church. Pillars of the church. My mighty men who are surrounding me. Mighty men. Mighty men who are faithful to the God. And we have mighty women as well. I'm not going to say anything about them. I value my life. But we have mighty women as well who are blessed this church abundantly, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and who do many, many, many things for this church. And it's wonderful to see that. These mighty men, these mighty women, are not mighty on their own accord. They are not mighty in their own strength. They are mighty in the power of the Lord. They've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is using them mightily to serve you. The Lord is using them mightily to take this church into different heights, to move this church into different spheres. We're learning more. We're coming together more. Have we got a long way to go? Absolutely. We'll never get enough of learning. I'll never get enough of God's Word. I'll never teach God's Word enough, read it enough, learn it enough, absorb it enough, study enough. I can never get enough of His Word. That's how we grow. You're here. You're faithful. Remember, faithfulness. Faithfulness is what God is looking for. Faithful, just showing up. Showing up and absorbing what is being taught and then putting it into practice, applying it to your life and see what God will do. The people I mentioned and the women are mighty because God has done something in their lives. Because God is doing something in their lives and God is going to continue to do that in their lives. He's going to do something mighty in their lives. We are to remain ever faithful to Him. We're to remain ever faithful to Him. And let me finish reading you one verse that has really stood out to me and has ministered to me so much. And 
we, we say it a lot, but it really is so important when we're talking about faithfulness, talking about what God has done. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God doesn't pay commission. God doesn't pay commission. God only pays salaries. He pays you for the labor that you do. No. He doesn't pay you by results. God does not pay you by results. Just the fact that you're laboring for him is what gets you the salary. When you labor for God, results are not important. You may witness to somebody and they might walk away and never look back and you may go, I have failed. No, you have not. If God had called you and gave you words to speak to this person, words of life to speak to this person, and you declared the gospel message, you did exactly what God wanted you to do. It's not your job to see that person be saved. It's God's job. God is the one who gives salvation. God has chosen us in this time, just like Esther, for such a time as this. God has chosen us and has knitted us together in his word and has filled us with his Holy Spirit and wants to empower us and overwhelm us with his Holy Spirit so that we might do the work that he has called this church to do, a work that maybe we think we've only begun a work that keeps coming back to you, the likes of which we cannot believe, even though he has told us and shown us. God's ready to work. He's looking for a few who want to get on board and work with him and allow him to lead and guide by the Holy Spirit. If you have not experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will have a hard time ministering. You will have a hard time working for God. You will have a hard time having boldness in your life. You'll have a hard time understanding some of the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is paramount in our life. He is paramount in our life because he is the acting agent of the Godhead on earth today. Christ is in heaven. Returning soon, praise God. God the Father is on the throne. Hallelujah, he's still there. The Holy Spirit is still working today in our lives, in your lives and my lives. He's still in the world, convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's still doing that. He's still doing his job. But we need his power in us to do the work God has called us to do. Mighty? Yes, you guys are mighty, and you hold my arms up a lot. And I'm ever grateful for the fact that you hold my arms up. And I'm just blessed to know each and every one of you, and blessed by your faithfulness and blessed by the way you love God. But I'm really, really excited the way God loves you and how God wants to do something mightily in your life if you would but allow Him to by His Holy Spirit. Amen? You are Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through 2 Samuel when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes 
Those short breaks could be filled with the study of Scripture, getting to know God better through His own Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Or just visit assurehoperadio.com. If you're not able to join us in person, we are streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just follow the link you'll find at AssureHopeRadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message on Assure Hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover God doing great things in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another edition of Assure Hope.